What's up, guys? Max here with another episode of The Scuttlebutt Show. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. I see you guys in the chat. Blue Line, Jacob, Justin, what's up? I hope you're all doing well. Welcome to today's episode. We have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. We have a lot of stories to talk about. One in particular I know is going to be controversial. And then at the end of the episode, I'm going to explain to you why I titled this episode, I'm Selling Out but it's true. I'm going to sell out a little bit in the name of the greater cause of having success here on YouTube. And I'll explain more about that as the episode goes on. But first, as always about yesterday. So about yesterday, thank you everybody for uh, tuning into that episode. I appreciate all your comments on top movies that you like military movies. And I hope you guys enjoyed my list. Uh, I, I felt like my energy was a little low yesterday, to be totally honest. I'm not sure what it was. I felt a little bit off my game, but I'm back full energy today. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Let's have a great episode. I have probably seven or eight really awesome stories to cover. And then, uh, and then we're going to have some fun at the end of the episode. Something I think you guys probably are not going to be expecting. I actually feel pretty confident in saying that, but, uh, I want to get right into the first story today because this one is kind of interesting. And, uh, it popped up today that for, it's a big milestone, a big milestone going on today for the first time in two decades, the U S has gone a year without a combat death in Afghanistan. A year. I remember, and I've talked about this on the show before, I used to go pick up my copy of the Navy Times every week, and in the front they would have the tribute to the fallen, honor the fallen page, and it would be all the people who were killed in Iraq or Afghanistan that week. That week. And sometimes it would be a full page. Multiple rows of people, 20, 30 service members killed that week. And now we're down to, there's been a year without a military member getting killed Uh, in combat in Afghanistan. So the article here from military.com says no U.S. troops have died in combat in Afghanistan for a year as of Monday. But, you know, as always, there's, you know, a lot of talk. There's the peace treaty, the Taliban breaking peace treaty. The Taliban have threatened to target them again if Washington opts to keep international forces in the country after a May withdrawal deadline. So Army Sergeant First Class Javier Gutierrez and Antonio Rodriguez were the last Americans to die in battle in Afghanistan on February 8th. 2020. And two other service members, Army Staff Sergeant Ian McLaughlin and Army PFC Miguel Villalon, were killed in combat there in January last year. Weeks after their deaths, the U.S. and Taliban signed a deal under which Washington pledged to fully withdraw U.S.-led international forces from the country by May 1st of this year and provide the Taliban held up its end of the agreement, which they have basically not on you know many occasions. And we've covered about how they've let out a bunch of guys who were detainees back into the wild out there and they've pledged that they'll go back to fight for the Taliban, which I've told you in my personal experience, they probably will. So here's the question though, depending on what perspective you're on, the idea that we haven't had a combat death in Afghanistan, some people will probably say is not a good thing. Okay. Now hear me out. I'm not saying that I want anyone to get killed in Afghanistan, but everyone who's against withdrawing troops from Afghanistan might say, well, you know, the reason that there's been no deaths in Afghanistan is because we haven't been, you know, taking it to the enemy over there as much as we have in the past. There hasn't been as many bilateral operations. We've receded back into the bigger fobs and the fewer bases. And I had a buddy who was deployed there, medical personnel, not that long ago. And he said that, you know, things were slowing down quite a bit. They were still opping, but things were slowing down quite a bit. And the question becomes, May 1st of this year, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be in Afghanistan? Are we going to be growing or are we going to be completely gone? So if the drawdown, which has seen U.S. troops numbers in Afghanistan slash from 13,000 a year ago to 2,500 mid-January goes ahead as scheduled, terrorist groups would have the opportunity to reconstitute within 18 to 36 months. So that comes from... uh, 
uh, one of the study cha- study panels chairs, General Joseph Dunford Jr., a retired four-star Marine general who once led international forces in Afghanistan. As Washington moles how to move forward, Taliban spokesman Zabiullah Mujahid warned that, there you go, first name of the day. If you tuned in to watch me butcher names, that's it. At least if I can't butcher Taliban anymore, I can butcher their names. So Taliban spokesman Zab... Huh? Huh? Zabiullah Mujahid warned that insurgents will definitely return to war if the U.S. rejects this deal. He did not say if the Taliban would be open to pushing back the withdrawal deadline. The deputy head of the Taliban team... By the way, have you noticed how many figureheads the Taliban has now in public? All these public figureheads speaking on behalf of the Taliban, giving press conferences and stuff? It's like they're pretty much a very, very organized group at this point where they can go out there and speak, you know, give statements to the press, represent their position, tell them what their plans are and all this stuff. So, so the deputy head of the Taliban team that negotiated the February deal, Mohammed Abbas Stenkazi, 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 Stenky, Stenky eyes, Stanky eyes said last month that if U.S. led forces remain in Afghanistan after the May deadline, we will also kill them. Voice of America reported. Voice of America. So, I mean, there are, there's a lot of... The Taliban have, do a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking going on with them. Um, they talk about how they're going to uh, overrun all the American bases and kill all the Americans and they will win and they'll take over the country and all stuff. That, that, that kind of language is nothing new. It's been going on since the beginning of the conflict in 2001. Keeping troops in Afghanistan beyond May 1st would drag U.S. troops back into a violent counterinsurgency, said Adam Weinstein, a former Marine who served in Afghanistan and is now a research fellow for the Middle East at the Washington, D.C.-based Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. Having no American combat fatalities for a year was not a guarantee of diminished risks in the future. Since the war began in 2001, 2,300 Americans, approximately 2,300 Americans have been killed in Afghanistan. By the way, that number is drastically less than the number killed in Iraq. The numbers in Iraq are much, much greater. So what do you guys think? What's the plan for Afghanistan? Do you think it's realistic that by May 1st, the United States will have pulled out all of its troops from Afghanistan? Probably, of course, there will be some clandestine teams there here and there, and there's going to be an embassy. And, but then the question becomes, can we ever have diplomatic relations in Afghanistan if we don't have a military presence there when the Taliban pledges that they're going to keep fighting to take control of the country? So it's a complicated situation. What do you think they should do? What do you think they should do? What do you think we should do? Should, is, does Afghanistan have any chance of taking their country back themselves? And is there any chance of the United States leaving that country by May 1st? I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments. So what's up, everybody? What's up, Scotty? What's up, Jojo? Regal says, wow, what was that in regards to? Was it my bad joke over there? Saifi says that he shared the post. Thank you, Saifi. I always appreciate that. I doubt they will be pulled. He says about the troops, we'll, we'll, we will see. I, to be totally honest, I doubt it myself. Um, seems kind of unlikely to me that we will actually be completely out of Afghanistan. We're not completely out of any country that we've been in this entire time. So I don't see how that's really going to roll, but Hey, if it happens, it happens. The question becomes, and the question that I have pushed on this show again and again and again is, are we in Afghanistan just to have people there so we can say we're there? Or are we in Afghanistan to actually accomplish any sort of mission? Is there any objective? Is there any goal? And I, my position is that for the last 10 years, we've just been there. So Regal says the Taliban is Afghanistan. That's in a lot of, in a lot of ways that is true. Uh, it's 
the, the fact of the matter is the actual Afghani troops have never put up a good fight against the Taliban. Not only that, but the reach of the Taliban inside the Afghani government is far and wide and uh, probably all the way up to the top. So Justin says 60s and 47s is all you need to get the job done. Coming from a crewman, I don't, uh, I'm not surprised to hear you take that position. Ghost Rider says, I'm new to this channel, but this is some high quality stuff. Thanks, Ghost Rider. I appreciate you being here. Welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. We're live Sunday through Thursday, 1800 Pacific Standard Time. So he says, maybe it'll happen. The president's son served in the army, right? So Bo Biden was in the army and uh, he died of, a, of cancer, I think a brain tumor, a glioblastoma. But he did attribute that to, he believes it might've been burn pit related. So, uh, you know, he obviously at, in that regard advocates for veterans uh, causes. Jacob says, complex problem, nothing that can't, that can't be solved in three months staying or going. It'll bubble up again. Maslow's hierarchy and Maslow's hierarchy in action. There's no end. It's a country filled with different tribes. They ne they'll never agree. Scotty says, not only is that interestingly, here's the thing that I've noticed in Afghanistan. Not only is it a country of different tribes, but those tribes don't even know that each other exists because so many of them are, you know, in, in the sense that they're tribal, they stay in remote areas and they just live there forever and ever and ever. And there's people who have other villages five miles away and they don't actually know each, each other even exist. So yes, it's true. So that, that's why it's so easy for the Taliban to come in and have so much influence is because they go into these little areas and they convince them to join up, you know, Taliban. And then they provide them with maybe food or supplies and equipment. They tell them what's going on in the world. There's so much of that as far as the farmer population and local villager population that ends up becoming Taliban. So it's kind of, a lot of people go, I've, I've heard this argument. I've had this conversation with somebody over beers in depth is that does the Taliban only exist because Americans are there? So not the whole group, the Taliban, but do, are so many of the fighters for the Taliban, the farmers, the villagers who take up arms for the Taliban, do they only exist because Americans are there? And if Americans weren't there, they wouldn't exist? The tr what I always tell people, and, and that always seems to come from somebody who's never actually been to Afghanistan themselves, because what I think the truth is, is there is a large population of bad actors, Taliban in Afghanistan who believe that they want to take over control of the country and that they'll do so through force and they're just going to do that regardless of if Americans are there or not. And then people will join them for two reasons. One is they support them and two is they're afraid of them. So there's two reasons why people join the Taliban. They support them or they're afraid of them. And both of those reasons are good enough for them to take up arms. So let me know what you guys think uh, in the comments, but I'm, I think we're going to move on to the next story. What's up, Kilo? What's up, Earl? Everybody in the chat. I, uh, I'd I, I'm going to move on to the next story, but I'd still love to hear what you think in the comments. And when we're done with this next story, maybe we'll roll back and see what you guys have said. So next story, next story coming up is kind of crazy. Former U.S. Army major sentenced in child pornography production case. So take a good look at this guy's face. If, you, if you're watching on the podcast, what we have here is a guy in some good old prison inmate outfit. He's got a, uh, he, he looks kind of like he's been, um, through the ringer a little bit. Like he, he, he looks like he's been brought in on child porn charges. You know what I'm saying? He looks like he had a rough time on the way in. Maybe not such a good time in jail. If you know the reputation of how people get treated when they are child predators in the prison system. So here we go. Now that's just, I just made that up. There's no, nothing in this article that says that or anything like that. That's just uh, from, you know, things that I have heard about being in jail. I've never been in jail myself. Fun fact. So a U.S. Army major previously assigned to the Army Cyber Command at Fort Gordon has been sentenced in a child pornography case. 
You know, there's one way you get caught in child pornography, and it's on the computer. And if this guy was in the cyber command, it's obvious that the Army wasn't recruiting the brightest cyber warfare folks. A federal judge sentenced Jason Musgrove to 30 years in federal prison. 30 years in federal prison for the charges of child pornography and trafficking. Trafficking. Trafficking porn? Let's see what the article says. According to court testimony and documents, Musgrove admitted using a hidden camera to film juvenile victims in the bathroom of his home. There's got to be more information on how he was getting people into his home. Musgrove, who pled guilty to charges in September 2020, requested a sentence of roughly 18 years during his statements to the federal court. Requested a sentence of 18 years. Who does he think he is? Chief Judge Hall, in speaking to the court, told Musgrove this case was one of the most disturbing that he has read during his time on the bench. He added that Musgrove's actions were devastating to the lives, family, and friends of the victims, and that the children have lost trust and they are essentially serving life sentences themselves. You know, I wonder if this stuff's on the internet. If this stuff's already out there on the internet, it'll probably be, probably be there, you know, it'll proliferate and be there forever. Horrible. Horrible. Along with the 30 years in federal prison, Musgrove must pay restitution to each of the victims and follow supervised release of 15 years after his time served behind bars. Musgrove must also not have any contact with children under the age of 18, including his own children. This guy's lost everything. And the fact that he's going to spend 30 years in prison for this heinous crime with 15 years of supervised release, and he's been ordered to pay back financial restitution help me out here if I can if I'm thinking about this correctly he'll never be able to earn money to pay anybody back so he's basically been given a life sentence of being destitute because he'll never earn any money again and he'll never be able to pay back the people he owes money to so he'll just be in a cycle of debt and poverty so that's kind of its own life sentence and speaking to the court during sentencing Musgrove addressed the victims in the court saying My crimes have blotted out all the good I've achieved in my life. I am a burden on society. This is a position I despise and never expected to occupy. Musgrove waived all rights to an appeal in the case, saying he hopes his family and other victims will forgive him for his crime. So, you know, I've got no sympathy here. You know, I really don't. He got people to come into his home. He got people to come into his home so he could film them in the bathroom. Children, right? I have no sympathy But to say one thing is he's accepting responsibility for his crime and he said he's going to waive his right to appeals, he's going to take his sentence, and he apologized to the victims. So I hope that for the victims, they get some sense of justice that his life is basically over and he's accepting that. He's not fighting it, he's not claiming to be innocent, anything like that. So I hope that that's meaningful in some way to the victims and I hope the best for the victims, but that is awful. My question to you guys is this. Have you ever been when you were in the military, been working around somebody for a long time, and all of a sudden it comes out that they have this dark other life, this dark, twisted personal life that comes out when the police roll up to the command and escort them out in handcuffs, or you find out when that person's been AWOL that they've actually been in prison down in Mexico. That's happened to me on a few occasions. That's happened on a few occasions. So has that ever happened to you guys? Have you ever been working around somebody and only to find out that they've been on, on hard, hard drugs for like two years straight? Has that ever happened to you guys in the military? I'd love to hear those stories in the chat. Let me know. Share them with me. Syphy says, child porn trafficking is rape, sexual assault. Makes me sick to my stomach. I agree. Justin is saying it's probably with Q on, I don't know what 8Q is, but I've heard of 8chan or whatever, 4chan. Jacob says he's done for life. He earned it. Yeah, he earned that sentence. That's right. He earned that sentence. 
Ghost Rider says, dang, I would never expect an army major to be a pedo. I guess you have to be careful with everyone. Ghost Rider, that's what I'm saying. And we'll see if anybody, we'll see if anybody uh, pops into the chat with the story. But I have been shocked to learn things about people that I've worked right next to in the Navy. All of a sudden, one day, they disappear and you find out that they've been doing some shady stuff. No one's above it. No one is above it. It goes all the way up and all the way down the ranks. Saifi, I believe in forgiveness. I would forgive him, but he deserved to be punished for what he's done. So, you know, only the victims can forgive him, right? So only the victims can forgive him, and I don't think that they have to. I'm actually not always about forgiveness, personally. I hold grudges, to be honest with you guys. If somebody does something really bad, really heinous, I'm not about forgiveness. I'm about vengeance. I'm about justice, okay? I mean, I hate, I, it, it doesn't, it's maybe not the PC answer, but sometimes I'm about vengeance, and I'm about punishment and justice, okay? That's just a little fun fact about me, too. People out there in the chat who know me well probably know that this is true. Uh, Kilo says, put him in general pop. Hopefully, his reputation will precede him. It probably will. Federal prison's no joke. Regal, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's get on here one time with some beers, like we were talking about recently, and let's do, an episode, let's do another episode, and you can tell us some of those stories that you shared with me. Uh, I would love to hear them on the show. If you're down with that, I'm down with that. Justin says, bro, I was on watch and had to pick up a dude from NCIS. It was crazy, and then a week later, full hanger captain's mask. What command was that at? Jacob says, third Mar Div chief of staff, Fulberg colonel a few years back. He went to jail for sexual har- assault harassment with a minor. Damn, that's savage. We had a guy get popped on Chris Hansen-style sting up. Oh, geez, that sucks. That sucks. That's not good. That's pretty humiliating. But hey, I mean, I'm glad those people are out there doing, you know, doing the Lord's work. Um, Let's see. We've got 23, Justin. Oh, man, I don't remember that. Was I there at that time? What year was that? If they don't forgive them, I don't blame them. I won't judge them. Then again, I've never experienced that. They must be broken. Yeah, I hope that they they get some kind of uh, closure and peace in their life. Um, and they, they're able to, uh, able to move on successfully and live, you know, full, happy lives in this, despite of this, um, there's, there's been, okay, we've got, uh, we've got three, we've got three, wait, two, correct, correct myself, two stories coming up. I know we've been covering a lot of black history month stuff this February, and I'm glad that we're doing that. And I'm about to do that now too. So get ready for a couple stories here. One is a negative story, but I'm going to follow it up with a positive story, okay? So the first one is because this we covered this last week. We did cover this last week, but it's going up. It's going up. We've got... Another one. We've got... Another one. So four-star admiral visited strike group after racist graffiti found on ship. So this is a follow-up. This is another one. So hate symbols have been found on two. Two Navy... Two Navy... Where are my hands at? Two Navy ships in a matter of weeks, leading the service's top officer to call for an end to what he says is unacceptable behavior that's driving a wedge of division in the fleet. Well, I don't know. It dep- I, I wouldn't say that about two incidences, but if this is a further widespread problem that they're going to explain, then maybe that's true. Chief of Naval Operations Admiral Mike Gilday sent a message to the entire Navy fleet on Tuesday, telling sailors they cannot be under any illusions that extremist behaviors do not exist in our Navy. So this is part follow-up to what's going on with SecDef, you know, doing the stand-down for extremism, and then, which, by the way, has been echoed and supported by a vast variety of other military leaders who've said they're 100% on board with that stand down, that they think it's necessary and that it's important that they need to kind of 
get down into the deck plate, so to speak, in Navy lingo and figure out what the problem really is and how big the problem really is or how small it really is. We must better understand the scope of this problem, get after this issue, and eliminate conduct that is driven by extremist beliefs, Gilday wrote. No doubt this is a leadership issue. We will own this. Gilday cited two separate incidents in which symbols of hate and violence were anonymously left in living areas aboard ships. A sailor assigned to the guided missile cruiser Lake Champlain, we covered this last week, admitted to leaving that noose on on the rack of a black crewmate, and after NCIS investigated, they admitted that uh, they had done it. And then racist graffiti was found on a second ship assigned to the same carrier strike group as the Lake Champlain. The graffiti was found in one of the heads or restrooms aboard the aircraft carrier Carl Vinson, carrier strike group one's flagship. The incident prompted Admiral John Aquilino, the head of U.S. Pacific Fleet, to visit the carrier strike group to lead a stand down. But there is more we must do together because these symbols are contrary to our Navy culture, core values, and warfighting effectiveness, he added. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin had talked about the stand down that he's going to do hate and extremist ideology are wedges that divide us. He wrote these actions stroke resentment and tear others down. That's the opposite of how we will treat each other as shipmates. We will build each other up. We encourage each other and we celebrate our shipmates success. So I, uh, I don't know. It doesn't say what the graffiti specifically was. It doesn't say what the graffiti specifically was, but I do think that, uh, it, it is interesting to me. It is interesting to me that two ships in the same battle group would have these incidences within a week of each other. I wonder if these guys knew each other. I wonder if we'll get more information out about that. I wonder if it was part of, if they were if they were in cahoots, you know what I mean? If they had some kind of like plan to do this all at one time or if they had sent emails to each other or this was some kind of, I don't know, maybe online, you know, coordinated dare to do or something like that where, hey, uh, do this for TikTok or whatever type thing. Um, whatever it is, it's obviously inappropriate and it's done at the worst possible time. So these guys can probably say goodbye to their careers. I'll tell you that these types of incidences, I've seen them myself on ships, whether it's prejudice against race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever it is, it obviously exists. I think people in the chat could echo that it definitely exists. Now, the question is how big of a problem is it? If this was two 19 year old deck seamen who, collaborated together to do this because they're totally assholes. They're just two complete douchers. Then is this a sign of extremism in the military? I don't think so, if that's the case. But if they're somehow, you know, linked to following chat rooms online of groups of people in the military who, you know, spread hateful ideologies and that they go out there and say, deliberately go out there and try to hurt people who we don't like. And then these people stay in the military and they become chiefs or lieutenant commanders, commanders, whatever it is. Obviously we covered a story about the person who was on the board of the Naval Academy last year, who was caught on camera saying some pretty heinous stuff, lost his spot on the board. It's that's what you, that's what I really worry about is, you know, if there's some 18, 19 year olds who are just, let's just say, let's just say these are two I'm just totally hypothetical. Let's say there's a two 19 year old kids who are just racist. They're just racist, right? If someone's a, just a racist and they're just an asshole and they have a shitty life and that's their punishment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you have to go out and say that there's a giant problem of people out there, individuals who are just hateful people. And then they're like poisoning the country or the military necessarily. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to defend anybody here. Now, alternatively, if they are, 
let's say a couple first class petty officers, something like that, or E fives and they're on their way up and this stuff never gets caught along the way. And then they go into leadership positions and then they have command influence and they start spreading these ideas to other people. And then they start pushing people out of their jobs or out of the fleet because they don't like them by their, you know, race, gender, creed type thing. That's a more pervasive problem. So I think we need more information before we kind of exclaim what type of problem it actually is, but we'll see how bad it goes. And then we'll get more information about what this, the stand down, which is the, you know, military wide stand down coming from the SecDev actually uncovers about this problem. And I'm looking forward to actually finding out the reports on that because then we'll see kind of what, what we really know about how bad extremism in the military is and what they define as extremism. Because I do think that the the sliding scale of that definition has been a little bit of a problem lately. So Regal says, well, these days being a patriot makes you an extremist. Oh, so interesting. I was just kind of talking about that. There is a sliding scale. There is a sliding scale of what makes you an extremist nowadays. That's what I was just saying. It is almost like extremism is becoming just a buzzword for anything that people don't like. And if you say it, then we have to all pause and destroy that person's life because they're extremist. That I definitely see what you're saying about that. Um, so we have to be careful about how we define it. And I hope leadership takes the time to go, to actually identify things honestly with good intent and come from a place of good faith and saying what they actually think is an example of extremism and what isn't and make that some kind of clear standard. Jacob says, 100% agree. If it's kids being kids, then okay. If they're bad guys, they should get treated as bad guys. Totally. Nikki says, I'm just here to find out if Max is selling out. I am. I am, Nikki. Stay tuned. It's coming. Coming in a few uh, articles. We're a few articles away from me selling out. So... Now, on a positive note, celebrating Black History Month, we have the story of this Coast Guardsman. So Coast Guard honors black veteran NFL great Emlyn Tunnel. I didn't, I don't, I'm not a big NFL fan. I don't know this guy. If you know this guy from the NFL, let me know in the comments. And if you knew he was a Coast Guard hero, let me know. Or if you didn't know, if you're finding out right now, say the word. So before he became the first black player inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, okay, Emlyn Tunnel served in the Coast Guard during and after World War II, where he was credited with saving lives of two shipmates in separate incidents. Now a Coast Guard cutter and an athletic building on the Coast Guard Academy campus are being named in honor of the former NFL defensive back who died in 1975. He died of a heart attack as the service aims to highlight his little known story and its own efforts to do better when it comes to race and celebrating diversity. I think it's important because you have a teachable moment with young people when you talk about a guy like Emlyn Tunnel. Coast Guard Academy football coach CeCe Grant said, they need to understand what he did, what he went through, and what kind of person he was. Tunnel was the first black player signed by the New York Giants and later played for the Green Bay Packers. What a time to be in sports. What a time to be in sports when they were letting people of color into the leagues for the first time. That's And coming out of World War II, imagine coming out of World War II, being a World War II hero, and then coming out and going into the pro football league and experiencing bias, racial bias, you know, and breaking the barrier of segregation in sports. Tunnel was the first black player with the New York Giants. He played for the Packers, but not much was known about his Coast Guard service until 2008. These World War II guys kept, they were, they were the true quiet professionals. They really were. Go to, go to Europe, go to the Pacific, save the world, and then come back and never talk about it because you don't want to, you know, seek credit. You just want to go back and, you know, now save America. So when Commander Bill McKinstry recognized Tunnel's name on the back of a photograph showing a Coast Guard basketball team from the late 1940s, that's how it found out. Commander Bill McKinstry, oh man, that was not right. I'm not even going to try again. Recognized Tunnel's name on the back of a photograph showing a Coast Guard basketball team. His research uncovered a remarkable service career that Tunnel, who had been a steward's mate, had downplayed. 
In April 1944, Tunnel was unloading fuel and explosives from a cargo ship in Papua New Guinea when it was hit by a Japanese torpedo. Tunnel used his bare hands to beat out flames that engulfed a shipmate, suffering burns in the process. Two years later, while stationed in New Finland, Tunnel jumped into 32-degree Fahrenheit water to save another man who had fallen from the USS Tampa. That's cold water. That's the kind of temperature water where in a few minutes you're getting hypothermia and you're going to hype out. Given the context of what a black steward's mate was expected or even allowed to do during that time in American history, largely restricted to duties like keeping the dishes on a ship clean, his accomplishments are all the more remarkable. Unbelievable. Unreal. If you look at the pictures of him in uniform, he is one African-American in a sea of other people. It is so important that we take a look at these trailblazers just like Mr. Tunnel and we honor them because of all things they faced in laying the groundwork for where we are today and making a better future. So the Emlyn Tunnel, little cutter right here. In 2011, the Coast Guard posthumously awarded Tunnel the Silver Life-Saving Medal. The cutter, currently under construction in Louisiana, is tentatively scheduled to be commissioned in October. The Coast Guard Academy plans to open a $3.5 million Emlyn Tunnel Strength and Conditioning Center. Nice. That's what I would want. I would want a gym. What My question to you is, what type of building would you want named after you? If you had to have a building named after you, is it a gym? Is it a theater? Is it a command? Is it the pass and decal office? Let me know. Tunnel played college football at Toledo before and after the war. He enlisted from 1943 to 46, continued his collegiate career at the University of Iowa, suffered a serious neck injury. But after leaving college in 48, he hitchhiked. He hitchhiked from his home in Pennsylvania to New York for a tryout with the Giants. Wow, that's so incredible. This should be a movie. He ended up playing 14 seasons in the NFL. That's a lot. That's a lot. Retired as a player, he held league records with 79 interceptions, 1280 interception return yards, 258 punt yards, and 2209 punt return yards. He then became a scout and one of the league's first black assistant coaches, helping fully integrate both the Giants and the Packers, and said David Lyons, the author who's writing a biography. I'll read that. He died of a heart attack between the ages of 50 and 53. His birth records are not even... He didn't even know when he was born. So this is the photo where they, uh, where they found him. The Coast Guard basketball team. He was the first black man and first defensive specialist to be enshrined in Canton, but he never gained the fame of contemporaries in other sports such as Jackie Brown because he played at a time before football was widely televised or popular and because of his humility. Emlyn was a great giant as a player, coach, and scout. Giants co-owner John Murray said, more importantly, he was a wonderful human being, which is why he was the most beloved person in our organization throughout his time with us. Vince Lombardi traded for Emlyn in Green Bay because he knew Emlyn would be vital in establishing a championship culture. Maricol Tunnel, an outstanding leader, teammate, and competitor. He brought those attributes to the Coast Guard, Giants, and Packers. Good for him. I'm glad we were able to uh, recognize him in this regard because he is an all-around great guy. So now they're naming a building after him in the Coast Guard. Justin says he would like to have a pool named after himself. I totally get that. That's a good one. Uh, For me, it would probably be a fitness. I would like a fitness center named after me. I would love to just have spent my whole military career just working out. I pretty much did, actually, as a matter of fact. So... Okay, so that was an incredible story. He was the real deal, huh? That guy was the real deal. Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was a player. He was a coach. He was a scout. He was a college athlete. He was a Coast Guard hero, both in combat and just life-saving. So now you know the story of Emlyn Tunnel, and I hope you guys have a chance to tell somebody about that. So go out and tell somebody, hey, do you know who Emlyn Tunnel is? Have you heard that story? Go tell a buddy. Got a real quick story here. Let's see, Ghost Rider says, what a true patriot, even after being an American hero, he was modest and strong enough to put up with the bias at the time to play in the NFL. Very true. Very true. Yep. Hard as nails, Kilo says. Yep, absolutely. I've got a quick story here. If you guys uh, have any 
information leading to an arrest in this case. Police searching for a suspect in killing of Connecticut National Guardsman. Unfortunately, this gentleman right here was gunned down. Connecticut Army National Guardsman and Yale graduate was stu student was shot and killed in New Haven over the weekend. Second Lieutenant Kevin Jang was shot multiple times on Saturday evening and was later pronounced dead at the scene. He was only 26 years old. Witnesses told police they saw a shiny new black vehicle flee the scene of the shooting, which is being investigated as a homicide. You know, this is maybe the seventh army homicide out in town that we've covered since Christmas. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. We've got all these soldiers getting shot out in town. What is going on? Why? What is going on? It's very, really sad. So, Jang, I don't know if I'm saying that right, an environmental science officer assigned to the 118th Multifunctional Med Battalion in Middletown, Connecticut, was on full-time National Guard duty status, providing operational support for the coronavirus response, according to a Guard spokesman. After joining the Army in 2012, he served to Washington National Guard as an M1 armor crewman and later commissioned and joined the Connecticut Guard in February 2020. Our hearts are heavy, having lost a brother and a bright young member of our team with nothing but potential ahead of a Major General Francis, Evans said. Second Lieutenant Jang believed in service to his community and recently volunteered to support COVID-19 relief efforts. There's nothing to call this other than a tragedy, and we give our deepest condolences to his family, fiance, and loved ones, and thank you for the precious time that you share with him. That's sad. You know, he takes, he's got a, he's a Yale graduate student, he's got a fiance, and he goes, hey, you know what? I'm a National Guardsman. I'm going to go volunteer. I'm going to go volunteer and go help with the COVID stuff that's going on. I'll leave my family and friends behind, and I'll go you know, go on orders for a while, and he gets murdered in the street. Unbelievable. Jang was in his second year of his master's program and expected to graduate this fall. His research focused on tracking mercury levels of fish in the Quinnipiac. Oh, man, you guys. Quinnipiac River watershed work that would help inform fish consumption advisories. He was an extraordinary young man, said Yale President Peter Salovey, and his loss is shocking and senseless, tra senseless tragedy for his family, for all who loved him, and for our community. That sucks. That's a really unfortunate story. I just wanted to cover it because uh, if anybody out there, you know, knows anything about that, maybe they'll see it on my show. But uh, if anything, we'll keep following up on that story like we do here on the show, and I'll bring you any information as it comes in. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got left? Let's see. What should we do next? How about this? How about this? Let's talk about a new movie coming out. Let's talk. Let's do this. A new movie coming out, and then I'll sell out on camera for you guys. So. We're getting yet another Navy SEAL movie, thanks to Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy just loving writing about the military. Tom, I wonder how many... If you joined the military because of a Tom Clancy novel, let me know in the comments. Or let me know what your favorite Tom Clancy novel is, or video game. Tom Clancy novel or video game, let me know in the comments. Here's what we need. Another Navy SEAL movie, right? So this is based on Tom Clancy's book, Without Remorse. And this is from Task and Purpose. You know how Task and Purpose writes their articles, kind of... Very funny, satirical from the author's perspective. So there's a lot of kind of seal trash talking going on here. So titled Without Remorse, the film is going to be based on a book of the same name by spy novelist Tom Clancy, directed by Stefano Salima. The upcoming action flick stars Michael B. Jordan, who is playing a Navy SEAL for at least the second time because he played in a Navy SEAL in Black Panther, if you guys remember that, who's named John Clark in the book a Navy SEAL who uncovers an international conspiracy while on a quest for vengeance after his pregnant wife is murdered. If that's not the most cliche setup for a book like this that I've ever heard, I don't know what is. An international conspiracy while on a quest for vengeance after his pregnant wife is murdered. Come on. That's entire, That's a little bit of a tired plot. What do you guys think? 
Here's how the plot goes. When a squad of Russian soldiers kills his family in retaliation for his role in a top secret op, senior chief John Kelly, that's who Michael B. Jordan is playing, pursues the assassins at all costs, joining forces with a fellow SEAL, played by Jody Turner-Smith, I don't know who that is, and a shadowy CIA agent, Jamie Bell. Kelly's mission unwittingly exposes a covert plot that threatens to engulf the U.S. and Russia in all-out war. Torn between personal honor, loyalty to his country, Kelly must fight his enemies without remorse if he hopes to avert disaster and reveal the powerful figures behind the conspiracy. Yep, that sounds about as cliche as it gets. Now, we do have, we do have a, a, a teaser trailer, okay? We have a teaser trailer, and I will play it for you guys real quick. So we're going to watch the teaser trailer for Without Remorse. Here we go. Ready? Psych. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. Now, maybe this time, I don't know what, even what just happened. I should know how to work YouTube better, I guess. Now we will watch, without further ado, the teaser trailer for Without Remorse. Something ain't adding up. John, enough with the paranoid shit. Why don't you tell us what the real mission is? I need your head here. One way or another, I want to get some answers. One way or another, we all need some answers about that movie. Now, this could, honestly, this could have been footage from the movie Outside the Wire, um, and I wouldn't know the difference. That was Anthony Mackie, and, and it looks like the same exact type of stuff. So... It's just another, you know, military movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Michael B. Jordan's played a Navy SEAL before in, in Black Panther. So I don't know if this is going to be interesting or not. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And then is this movie going to come out in theaters or is it going to go straight to streaming? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There's been lots of Navy SEAL movies. And this article does go on to say, uh, including the TV show SEAL Team and all this stuff. This article does go on to say that there's too much Navy SEAL stuff. How about a little bit more stuff about Army and Marine Corps, just soldiers on the ground, soldiers and Marines? I think, uh, you know, there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of that. We covered that on the show all the time when there's movies about that. The Air Force even gets some time as drone pilots. So, I don't know. I don't know. There's a good diversity of uh, plots in movies regarding stuff other than Navy SEALs. But Navy SEALs always get the most attention. They always get by far the most attention. Their movies get the biggest releases. People love that stuff. Act of Valor. Let's just go with Act of Valor. Basically the Navy's biggest recruiting video of all time. So uh, have you guys seen Act of Valor? Let me know in the comments. The Navy's greatest recruiting video of all time. Trying to recruit people into the SEALs. Really what, what Act of Valor probably actually did was recruit a bunch of people who didn't make it into, into the teams because they quit or got hurt in buds. And now they're just deck semen on the ships. So Active Valor probably recruited thousands of regular sailors. So good job for Active Valor. Um, let me know what your favorite Navy SEAL movie is in the comments. How about, let's do that. Favorite Navy SEAL movie in the comments. So Ghost Rider says, oh, sorry. Let me catch up on the comments here. Where am I at? Where am I at? Regal says, Hunt for Red October. Favorite Tom Clancy. Thought Tom Clancy was dead. I think Tom, is Tom Clancy dead? Tom Clancy is dead. Regal confirms uh, but he has lots of books that could still be turned into movies. Jacob says, Without Remorse, best Clancy book. Really? Without Remorse is the best Tom Clancy book, Jacob says. Then we will see. One ping only, please. Talking about Hunt for Red October. Jacob says, if it's close enough to the plot from the book, it's a lot more than your typical Punisher plot. Okay. Okay, cool. 
I really love the SEALs and they are true heroes, but I feel they are a little overdone in movies, but I will probably still watch it, Ghost Rider says. I mean, I'm going to watch it too and I'm going to review it. Scotty says, never seen it. Kilo says, I think they deploy with a camera crew. Nice. Imagine joining the Navy. <laughs> it's not so bad. It's pretty good. Kilo says, Active Valor was good. Active Valor was pretty good. Active Valor wasn't bad, to be totally honest, considering that they used active duty military to film it. I think they, those guys did a pretty good job. I actually worked with like three of those guys after the movie was made, and they all hated ever hearing the mention of the movie at all. So if you do ever meet one of the guys from Active Valor, don't bring up the movie. Just say, you know, hey, thanks for your service. Something like that. Never forget. Now, the title of this video, right? The promise of the premise. Am I selling out? What does that mean? What does it mean that I'm selling out? Well, look, guys, here's the truth. I want to I have some success here on YouTube. I'm hustling. I'm working hard on this stuff every day. This, I'm working hard on this content every day. By the way, links in the description of all the best ways you can support the channel, including become a patron for as little as $3 a month, as much as $10 a month. If you do join Patreon for $10 a month, on your second month, you get a free t-shirt. So it pays for itself in two months, and your support would mean a lot to me. The other best non-denominational, not non-denominational, non-monetarial way to support the channel is just invite people to come watch the show. So if you're going to come watch the show tomorrow or you're watching it right now, just invite your buddies to come join the chat. So I want to have some success. I want the channel to grow. I think that would be great. I'm working hard on the content. I think the content's pretty good. I'm coming out here doing an hour show five days a week all about military news, and I'd like more people to see it. I yesterday spent quite a bit of time on YouTube looking up vidIQ. vidIQ is a plugin, it's an extension, it's an app for YouTube that helps you find more analytics and trending videos and trending topics. And I did, I did a deep dive into how this whole thing works and I learned some interesting stuff, okay? One of the greatest things about vidIQ is there's a whole section called trending videos. And you can type in keywords and see what videos are trending the most in that topic for that day. And then you can try to, you know, ride that wave a little bit, okay? You can try to ride that wave. That video is trending. Hit those keywords. Hit that good title. Maybe work on that thumbnail a little bit. Let's see if it gets some views. I'm going to do that today, all right? So let me catch up on the chat really quick. Active Hour was good. Navy movies going to go with Final Countdown. Final Countdown, great movie. Scotty says that Raven scene was pretty dope in Active Valor, though. Uh, that Raven scene was fire. When do I get Super Chats, Regal? I think after the channel gets monetized, after 1,000 subs. So we've hit the requirements for 1,000... Uh, I'm sorry, we've hit the requirements for monetization except for 1,000 subs. So I've got the watch time. I've got the views. I've got all of that except for thousand subs. So I'm trying to get a thousand subs. That's part of the reason I'm about to sell out. Now, maybe that doesn't sound that bad. What I just said, yeah, you're just going to try to ride the wave. You're going to go, you know, jump on the back of a popular video and make your own. Okay. Not so bad. Not so bad. Except you guys haven't seen the video we're doing yet. You guys have not seen the video that we are going to cover today. And then I'm interested to see what you think. So we're going to make a little YouTube video. I go on vidIQ, I look up trending videos for Navy SEALs, right? I mean, we were just talking about it. I look up trending videos for Navy. I, I looked up a lot of stuff. U.S. Army, U.S. military, U.S. Navy, all that stuff. And I end up with one that was Navy SEALs, and there's a video trending 
something like 16,000 views per hour. This video is moving along at 16,000 views an hour. I get 16,000 views a month. Justin said, Under Siege, best SEAL movie. Under Siege is the best SEAL movie ever. I used to have such a big crush on Miss July. Oh, man, when she jumps out of that cake in Under Siege. And when him and Tommy Lee Jones have that knife fight, everything about that movie is just awesome. What was it? A funny story. I'm getting sidetracked here. But in San Diego, they would do this drill. They would do this exercise of some kind of like terrorist attack has happened. And all the gates, all the bases have to go on like extreme lockdown and triple up the gate guards and go on patrol and all this stuff. And the whole thing was always, and if you guys remember this, let me know. Chief Casey Ryback had been abducted and killed in Mexico. Chief Casey Ryback is the SEAL in Under Siege. That's his name, Steven uh, Seagal's name. So it was always Chief Casey Ryback has been abducted and killed in Mexico and they're plotting to come attack the bases. And I was always like, that's the most unrealistic scenario ever. Chief Casey Ryback would have never been abducted and killed. He, that would have never happened. What are you guys talking about? Are you crazy? Chief Casey Ryback abducted and killed? Iron Curtain. Operation Iron Curtain. So... Back to what I was doing. You guys can light up the chats. If you if you remember that, if you think that was funny, if you think uh, Casey Ryback is the greatest Navy SEAL character in fictional movies ever, let me know. Now, this video, I type in Navy SEAL, see what's trending. This video, 16,000 views an hour. And I'm like, I have to. I have no choice. I have to make a reaction video. I have to do Navy veteran reacts to this video. So... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this, okay? So starting now, we're going to be recording a YouTube video. I'm totally selling out. Just you wait and see. And uh, and we're going to see. I'm not expecting major... I'm, to be totally honest, I'm experimenting here. I'm not expecting major success with this. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to follow the trends a little bit. I'm going to try to get creative with my marketing. I got to hit 1,000 in February. That's the goal. 1,000 subscribers in February is the goal. And we're going to try this new tactic. We're going to switch up our TTPs a little bit and see if this works, okay? So what's up, guys? Today, we're doing a reaction video. This is Navy Veteran Reacts to Navy SEAL Training. Let's go. So this is Kitty Soros. Daily common sense is cats are liquid. Cats are liquid. Cats can get into any space. So what you do is you fill up a tub of cat, a couple of cat tubs with Coco and Layla. Now this is actually good training. So this is actually good Navy SEAL training here. What this is, is we have two cats being put into two boxes. So this is a popular interrogation technique. What they're going to do is they're putting them in boxes to see how they handle the stress of it. So if they freak out, if they get stressed out, then we know that they might not be the cats we want to send downrange. But it looks like Layla is doing what I would do, getting comfortable in the box. Getting comfortable in the box. Coco is being a little persuaded. Maybe Coco's going to give up her secrets. Let them know where the nip's at. Oh, yeah. Coco did not like that. Layla's chilling. Now, that's not good. Now they're going to do some surf torture. Oh, I don't know what language that is, but they know a little bit about surf torture. So that's probably, I'm assuming that's cold water. Hungry likes bread. Uh-oh. They know they're about to have to go in. Here comes the rest of the boat team. 
Okay, that's motivation. Bunch of fake yum-yums. He knows they're fake. Smart cat. He's about to D.O.R. He's a brave Toto is fighting a dragon now. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. This cat's asleep. Must be a Thursday of Hell Week. See, that's not right to put their food in the water. Not cool. Okay, losing life points. Those are like stress fractures. Got it. Half a life point left. That's pretty good. Now this cat had a... That was smart. Work smarter, not harder. Pays to be a winner. Gave up. Quitter. We got our first quitter. To the victor goes the spoils. This cat is just not doing anything. This cat's also not doing anything. That's not going to work. That cat's eating mayonnaise. Good calories. That's good calorie intake. Uh-oh, did you see that? That cat might be the devil. Now, one thing about Navy SEAL training is you always have to eat. You have to eat. These cats understand. You have to eat a lot of food. You have to keep your food intake, your calorie intake high because you're going to be burning a lot of calories. So he goes in there, gets the food, fights for the food, takes the food out of the other cat's mouth, pays to be a winner. That's the lesson right there. That's special treatment. Nepotism. You're not getting chicken. Good luck. You're getting an MRE. Fancy feast, not here. In desperate times, you eat hair. It's true. You learn that in training. All right, guys. That is Navy Veteran Reacts to Navy SEAL training. I hope you guys liked that video. If you did, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Leave a like. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. And I look forward to talking to you next time. All right. So I know you guys are watching that and you're like, what the hell, Max? What the hell was that? Unsubscribes left and right. My new subscribers at the end of this are going to be like negative 15. Now, I know, I know. Now, now Ghost, Ghost says, I'm new, but I guess you got to do what you got to do to get more people to see this hidden gem. Scotty feels uncomfortable. I know. Now, I thought this would be fun. The reason I did this is because I thought it would be fun because... I don't know if you guys caught this when I was moving my mouse around. If you're watching on a big enough screen, when I was moving my mouse around, this video's title is Cats Underwater Navy SEAL Training Kitty Saurus. If you go into Google, I'm, I'm sorry, well, kind of Google owns YouTube. If you go onto YouTube right now, the number one trending video for Navy SEALs is this video. This is it. You go on Navy SEALs, this is the number one trending video, 16,000 views an hour, hundreds of thousands of views and likes. This is the number one, this is the number one video for Navy SEALs, which I thought was kind of hysterical, to be honest. I thought it was, I thought that was downright hilarious. So I wanted to cover it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Screw it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do a reaction video. I'm going to post it up online. This is so far off of the norm of what my content is that the, that the results of this will tell me a lot, right? This is why I'm doing this. This is experimental. Like I said, the results of this video are going to tell me a lot. They're going to tell me if following trends work at all. They're going to tell me if I am totally off base with, you know, what people are searching for out there. And it's going to tell me if uh, life's worth living. Because if this video gets a million views when I post it on YouTube later, 
and all my other videos that I've been working on for all this time are getting 60, 70, 100 views, a few thousand views on a good one. Man, that's going to give me a lot to think about. That's going to give me a lot to think about. Scotty feels me. Regal's unsubbing right now. I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you, to be totally honest, after that. We're doing experiment. We're experimenting. And now here's the cool part. You guys get to experiment along with me. So we'll see how this video does. Now, now everyone watching right now and listening to this knows the truth about why I did this video. And so when I post it, whatever happens, we're going to find out how that how those trends work. And we're going to keep jumping on some trends until we get this YouTube thing figured out. Got to get the got to get the views. Got to do it sometimes. So Scotty says, and my AI videos get no looks. Yeah, there's you know what? There's more to it. You got to get on the analytics. Scotty, you know this. You got to get analytical, dude. You got to get analytical with it. You got to be a, a you got to get the strategy going. You got to get the strategy going. Now, I've got one more actual story to cover for you guys, and I know I'm going to get some looks. If I didn't get the looks then, I'm going to get the looks now. I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on this. This should be fun. This should be interesting. What do you guys think the policy should be for new mothers? What do you guys think the policy in the military should be for new mothers? How much maternal leave should somebody get? Is six weeks enough? Is it too much? Is six months enough? It's like six months now. Is six months too much? What is it? What, what should it be? What should the new mother policy be? Well, the Marine Corps is stepping up. They're doubling down. The Marine Corps is doubling down on what they think the maternity leave sh- policy should be because they are now giving one year off from fitness standards after you have a baby. So no tests, no weigh-ins, no measurements for a year after having a baby. And we're going to talk about why. And I have some thoughts on this, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. They also upped recently to uh, paternal, the the, the leave for the dads. The dad leave in the military also went up a couple years ago, so they're taking care of fathers too, trying to get families a little more stable. But for the the women, maternity leave has gone up, skyrocketed. And now in the Marine Corps, you you don't have to give a fitness test, weight standard, or anything for a year after giving birth. So... Let's talk about it. The Marine Corps will extend the postpartum moratorium on fitness from nine months to 12 months, according to an administrative message released in the Marine Corps on Monday. Historically, Marines have been given nine months from the time they give birth to get within Marine Corps standards and start passing the physical fitness and combat fitness test. Now, you, one thing that we need to be clear about before we move any further along this article is the Marine Corps takes their fitness standard stuff extraordinarily seriously. Like in the Navy, you could fail every PT test you've ever had. In the Army, I don't know of a policy, but there are some people out of standards in the Army. The Air Force, I don't think they have standards. The Marine Corps will kick your ass out if your waist even gets too big. There is no mercy in the Marine Corps. No mercy. If you go out of weight standards in the Marine Corps, there is no mercy, okay? But now they're giving women a year off. So the policy says no earlier... No earlier than 12 months after the birth event, the Marine is required to take the PFT-CFT at the next regularly scheduled physical fitness evaluation in that semi-annual period. The MAR admin making change reads. Exceptions can be made for medical reasons, but that was not always the case. The exception must extend it, not bring it closer, right? In October 2020, Marine gunnery sergeant, so here's why, here's the one of the baseline cases for why this policy is changing. In October 2020, Marine Gunnery Sergeant Juliana Pinder told the Marine Corps Times at, the, at that time published anonymously that when she gave birth in 2016, the Corps denied her any extension to get back in shape, forcing her to decide between her career and her newborn daughter. 
After giving birth, Pinder said that she went on a strict diet combined with a rigorous workout routine that would see her quickly get back to the Marine Corps standard, but it also prevented her from giving her baby all the calories she needed through breastfeeding. Weighing in at the 40th percentile by her four-month checkup, her baby, Liliana, had dropped down to the third percentile and was diagnosed with failure to thrive. Pinder chose to end her diet and cut back on her workouts to ensure that her baby would start to put on more weight. In its new policy, the Marine Corps listed breast milk production as one of the many factors leading to the change. Affording a postpartum Marine more time before mandating fitness testing and body composition compliance will allow a fuller recovery, lower injury risk, prevent potential long-term persistent factors, and eliminate potential impact to breast milk production due to rapid weight loss. That's from Captain Sam Stevenson, a spokesman for the Marine Corps Training and Education Command. While there is no strict medical requirement to extend a 12-month exemption period alleviates the added stress and potential for premature overexertion and injury for risk for postpartum Marines. When Pinder reached the end of her then nine-month moratorium, she was 40 pounds above the Marine Corps weight standards and was then put on the body composition program because of her decision to put her baby before her career. In addition to being placed on the body composition program, the Marine was also given negative fitness reports that would ultimately bar her from reenlisting. Damn. Any Marine who gave birth within the past year and was put on the body composition program as a result will now be removed from the program and reevaluated. The MAR admin also offers those Marines who received an adverse fitness report a way to correct the record. Any Marine who completed their postpartum recovery period within the last three months leading up to the publication of this MAR admin and received an adverse fitness report due to being assigned to the BCP may seek relief by petitioning the Performance Evaluation Review Board. So they're taking steps to correct some of these things, some of these wrongs that they are saying happened. This document will further assist pregnant and postpartum Marines to develop a PT program during pregnancy and postpartum periods. This is an important part here. Remember this part. This document will further assist pregnant and postpartum Marines to develop a PT program during pregnancy and postpartum periods. Based on recent medical studies, the Marine Corps and Department of the Navy's Bureau of Medicine and Surgery recognize that PT activity during pregnancy and postpartum periods has proven benefits with minimal risk for most women. However, because each pregnancy is a very personal experience, pregnant and postpartum Marines must always first consult with a healthcare provider before conducting physical exercise. But for Pinder, it was too late. Pinder was a combat engineer who once dreamt of becoming the first female master gunnery sergeant in her career field. She now hopes for an early retirement with a plan B of transferring to the army to fulfill her 20 years of service. I personally wouldn't have used the words plan B in this article, but that's not me. I have no problem going past 20 years, but my overall goal, yes, is to get my retirement because I've spent 16 years of my life doing this, Pinder told the Marine Corps Times. If I join the army and it turns out to be better than the Marine Corps, then maybe I'll stay longer. Her ultimate goal is to become instructor for high school junior ROTC program. Will she be able to mentor future generations? So... I've got a ton of thoughts on this. I think you guys probably have a ton of thoughts on this, and I would love to hear them in the chat. Let me catch up on the chat real quick. So Regal says, just kick him out. Scotty says, my new mother policy has been changed in the last seven months. Justin says, one year is pretty standard. Maternal leave in the rest of the world. Jacob says, that's tough. It affects everyone differently. Some women are good to go in three weeks. Some fight forever to get done uh, close to the weight and strength they had before. WTF, why in the hell is the military relaxing their physical fit standards across the board? Regal says, I failed all of my PT tests. Kilo says, had some big ones in my unit. Some knew how to manipulate the system to stay in. Regal says, this is the military, not a nursery. Kick them out. A year is quite a bit of time off and enlistment, Kilo says. Minnie says, I don't agree to kick them out. They have done, they have about a year off. That should be enough to get back in shape and take care of your child. So, remember I said a minute ago, to remember that part that many, by the way, what's up? Welcome to the chat. I hope you saw the top five movies yesterday. I, I, I wanted you guys to pay attention to the part where it said the admin specifically 
made a program to help people work on their fitness and diet while pregnant and in the months following. That's probably what was missing, right? So here's the problem. No support as far as guidance on how to stay in shape, maintain healthy weight while pregnant, what a healthy weight should be while pregnant, healthy weight, what a healthy weight should be while nursing. Does the Marine Corps standard take into consideration what a healthy weight for nursing a baby should be? There is not a, if all other things being healthy and good to go with a pregnancy, I don't, to, to my knowledge, there's no reason why a female shouldn't be able to maintain some standard of fitness and then moderate a diet to avoid unnecessary weight gain. And that, you know, as a civilian, do whatever you want. But the other thing is you're already in the military, so these standards should not come as any sort of surprise, okay? If you're in the military, the standards should not come as a big surprise. It's not a shock. It could be that we could do a better job counseling people when they're young in the military as to what the standards are and what the expectations are. Maybe have them sign that good old page 13, sign that page 13, that service record entry that says, hey, you've been briefed. You've been briefed on what the standards are. So now if you get pregnant while you're active duty, here, here's what the expectations are. Do you agree to these standards? And then you sign it and then you can be held to the standard. I am sure, I do not argue, I have no, no counter to this, that the standards that the Marine Corps was upholding probably did not take into consideration the best interests of all service members across the military, for sure. Women have been left behind in, across the board in the military. That is absolutely true. So was the Marine Corps and the rest of the military behind on their you know, maternity policy and their pregnancy policy and their support? I'm sure that that's true. Going forward, okay, not don't just extend the time, make it productive. So don't just say now you have 12 months instead of nine to get back into shape, but you have 12 months and we have a program, a helpful program for mothers who are nursing for mothers who are struggling to get back into shape, whatever it is, we know that there's all kinds of complications after giving birth. There's psychological and physical complications that a lot of people experience. It's not easy. Plus, you're sleep deprived. I don't have a kid, but I am pretty sure you don't spend a lot of time sleeping after you first have a baby. So there are difficulties along the way. And not everyone, I'm not somebody who expects everyone to just be a perfect rock star all the time, okay? So it's really easy to give women a hard time for getting pregnant and all this stuff. Uh, and then gain weight or whatever, missing work, but then because of the baby and then not having a good family care plan, all this stuff. I know women in the Navy were kicked out because they didn't have a family care plan. They, their baby had no daycare. So they kicked them out of the Navy. You know, I think that's pretty rough, you know, pretty rough. And this female that's a reference in the article, 16 years in the military, has a baby, is outside of the weight standards and is looking at getting kicked out and failed to promote because she got an adverse eval. I don't know if that's necessarily the right answer. In fact, I don't think that that's the right answer. We can do better than that. There should be a plan, a better plan. We can do better starting before uh, the, the pregnancy even happens. The expectation should be made clear. The plan should be in place. I don't mind giving people time off to go take care of their family after they have a baby. Here's the thing. You probably would lose more work time from having a dysfunctional family life than you would from taking time off in the beginning to make sure you get that stuff right. So imagine this. Well, don't imagine, just, you know, for all the veterans out there who are watching, just think. 
How many people do you know missed work for days, weeks, or months or stayed home from deployment because they were having problems at home with their family life? Uh, I know a lot. I could probably account for years of missed work. Decades. <laughs> we're talking probably decades of missed work from people just going, oh my God, I gotta go pick up my kid. Oh, we're having problems at home. You know, all this stuff. If the military front-loaded that by making sure people's families were in better shape in the beginning, maybe we could save some time on the back end. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think people should have to obla serve if they have a baby, but... Well, not really any, but I don't think people should have to obviously serve if they have a baby. I think that's kind of cold hearted. Uh, definitely not, should not be the policy, but there should be a plan to get females back to work, back to work, healthy, fit in the military after they have a baby. If that plan is not in place and you're just saying, yeah, well, you better lose weight and get back in shape, not in, taking into consideration the complications and the difficulties and all that stuff. I think that's kind of jacked up. So that's why I think about it. I think this is a good policy move, a good policy move. Because they built in a plan to help people get back into shape. If there was no plan, if there was no plan during and after the pregnancy to help women get back into the fleet, then this would be a dumb policy. But since they included a plan, I don't know what the plan is, but since they took the time to include a plan, then I think that's good. I think that's a good plan. What do you guys think about that? Let me know. So let me catch up on the chat. Let's see. We've got... Kilo says a year is quite a bit of time. Minnie says, I don't agree. Regal says, if you're a woman and want to play with the boys in the Marines, don't get knocked up. You know, there is definitely a, a lot of issues when a female gets pregnant on deployment or gets pregnant and misses deployment. It definitely is not a good look for that female and they do get a lot of adverse reaction from the command. Now, before you guys jump on my back about that comment, if you're a dude and you're about to go on deployment and you break your ankle snowboarding, Believe me, that's not a good look either, okay? Let's say you're about to go on deployment. It's, it's October. You're deploying just before Thanksgiving. You're going to Afghanistan. It's going to be the winter. It's cold. But hey, you're back and, you know, you go to Utah for a ski trip. You go up there on the slopes. You're cruising down the mountain. You break your ankle. You know you're going on deployment. You're on pre-deployment leave. You think that's a good look? No, you're looking at, you're screwed, okay? So medical readiness it's, it's, a, it's just purely a medical readiness factor, okay? I actually agree, Regal, with this one thing that you said. <laughs> I don't agree with everything you said, but I agree with this one thing you said of don't get knocked up. If you want to go on deployment, if you want to be a grunt, if you want to be a tanker, whatever it is, and then you're getting ready to go on deployment, and then you get pregnant before or during deployment, it's not a good look. The same as if a guy goes out and does something stupid and breaks a bone and then misses a whole deployment, okay? It's... It's just a medical readiness issue, okay? Minnie says, not all of it is consensual. What do you mean the, as far as uh, getting pregnant? Austin says, the 1950s has entered the chat. Uh, I think I saw this going on when you guys were chatting. Have you ever told a pregnant woman what to eat? It's just not a good idea, Scotty says. <laughs> That's like saying all girls should be on birth control and all guys should get a vasectomy. Damn right, Regal says. Jacob says, Scott knows. Austin says, Air Force had the same issue. I actually wrote a paper on the high failure rates based on policy. Then the policy was changed literally one month later. Oh, interesting. Well, good for you, Austin. Can you reference that paper to me? Can you send that to me at thescuttlebuttshow.gmail.com? Ghost Rider says, I don't know if that's a tough one. Maybe give them a month, maybe two, if the child needs more time or just ban female pregnancy in service. No, you can't do that, Ghost Rider. Can't ban, can't ban female pregnancy in the service. That would be, uh, that's not good. 
Regal says, our Sergeant Major basically told us to divorce our wives if they got in the way of the job. Hey, dude, I feel you on that. That is the attitude. That is the attitude in the military for sure. In the Navy, we called it mission first, sailor always, right? Which is way better than what the Army did. I've heard horror stories about the Army, and I've seen it with my own eyes. The Army did not give a damn what was going on in your home life. That's one thing we had really good in the Navy. I don't think people realized it. The Army did not give a damn what you had going on at home. You were going on deployment. You were going on training. You were doing everything. There was no mercy in the Army. I, I never saw any mercy in the Army. In the Navy, oh, man, leniency all day. All day, and it was kind of frustrating, you know? It's kind of like smokers always get to take smoke breaks, and non-smokers get punished with work. People with family problems, I mean, I'm not hating on people with family. I mean, I get I can empathize, I guess, but... People with family problems, always missing work for family problems, not going to deployment for family problems. And every and then people who had no who had their shit together, going on deployment again, going back to work. I mean, a lot of that's true. It's just true. That's what I'm saying. It's true. Scotty says, I don't care who is running admin, the Gidunk or MWR, somebody needs to do that work. True. So in the Navy, we took pregnant females off ships and we put them on shore duty doing jobs like running the Gidunk and stuff. Kilo says, how does the time off affect the capability of the force as a whole to fight? It doesn't. Kilo, in my opinion, there's no impact. No impact. But it'd be great if we could just get females back, you know, in shape, fit. I think that's probably what everybody wants. Who doesn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be healthy and fit and get back into the fight, you know? There are, and listen, guys, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idealist person. I'm realistic. There are women who scam the system. There are dudes who scam the system. Just to be totally clear for everybody listening, there are plenty of dudes who scam the system. There are females who scam the system. Females who plan pregnancies around the military service. And because that exists and because we've all seen it, it gives other women a bad name. There are also goddamn hard-charging females out there who will go out, get pregnant, have a baby, be a rock star mother, go on deployment after deployment, training after training, be a mentor, thrive in the military. Oh yeah, that exists too. I mean, in my experience in the Navy, I worked with many women like that. So there are many. I try not to ever let the few bad apples ruin the batch or whatever goddamn expression that is. Because all of it, there's a huge spectrum of what exists out there. And I'm not going to deny any of this exists. You'll never see me denying what I know is the reality out there. Okay. No matter how uncomfortable it is. There are definitely women out there and men too, but we're talking about pregnancy right now, who get pregnant specifically to avoid problems, to get the benefits, to stay out of work, to get off the ship, happens all the time, okay? It's just true. It's just true. There's no, you can tell me whatever you want, but I've seen it with my own eyes, okay? So Jacob says, I think there's a big gap between what most people think about the combat efficiency of the average Marine in real life. Some out of shape breastfeeding women here and there, and there aren't a big deal. You know, it's that that comment makes me think of something else that somebody commented on my video about females serving in special forces, and they said there was a comment on my video that said, uh, and then we're going to wrap up the show soon. It's getting late, going past our hour, our normal hour, but it's a good convo, good convo that we're having. Somebody said women don't belong in special forces because no woman could carry out a three hundred pound man off a mountain with all their gear, uh, and then somebody else said. There can't be women in special forces because that's why women don't play in the NFL. And I was like, those are two really dumb arguments. Because for one, nobody can carry a 300-pound person, person off a mountain, okay? It's just not, it's not even how it's done. 
Even Navy SEALs leave people on a battlefield, finish the fight, get things sorted, and then go back and do personnel recovery. Roberts Ridge. Look at Roberts Ridge, okay? Now, the idea of the idea that women can't be in special forces because women don't play in the NFL, also super dumb because show me a bunch of Navy SEALs who could play in the NFL. You, are you saying that every Navy SEAL could just be a linebacker in the NFL? No, of course not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so what a joke, you know, what, what a dumb, just just a really nonsense argument. That they, there's just a lot of that kind of broad stroke. If you actually pick it apart, it doesn't make any sense type arguments going on. So anyway, a lot of military couples, Kilo says, very true. A lot of military couples, just says a few bad apples spoil the barrel. Yep, that's it. Thank you very much. Minnie says, I feel like, I feel like Marines who plan on going to get back to work, we're already mentally ready to get back into shape. It's embedded in them. Scotty says, two of my best deployments were due to people getting hurt or having a baby. It allowed me to step up and kick ass. Yeah, true. Very true. Absolutely. Regal says, women were not allowed at cop keating because we couldn't meet female hygiene requirements. Yeah. I mean, that's sure. That exists. There's definitely places that women are allowed to go, are not allowed to go, all kinds of stuff like that. That's true. Totally true. There's birthing requirements, hygiene requirements, stuff like that. All right, guys, so I'm going to, with that, I'm going to start wrapping up the show. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. If you haven't already, check out the links in the description down below to see how you can support the channel, including just sharing the videos and inviting people to the channel. Stay tuned. I'm going to pop behind me to the desktop computer over here, and I'm going to edit that video of me reacting to Navy SEAL training with some cats in the most, one of the most ridiculous, ludicrous videos I've ever seen. I'm going to copy the hashtags. I'm going to copy the title. I'm going to put it up my channel. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens with this trending video thing. I'm curious. Are you curious? We're going to find out. So stay tuned for that. I'll be able to follow up a little bit with you guys on that tomorrow, but we'll probably have to give it to the end of the week to, to really see what's going on with that. I want to thank you guys for watching. This was a fun episode. I feel like yesterday I wasn't really in my groove, but today I feel like we really were having a good time in the chat and everything like that. I hope you enjoyed the show and all the news stories that we talked about. With that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, and I'm out for now.